This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. One-timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! And everything from the state of hockey. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. to episode number 71 here of the Huskies Warming House podcast here bright and early on this Sunday morning. We're hitting the end of July here and we've got a lot to talk about here around the National Hockey League. A very, very busy week for not only our Minnesota Wild, but all 32 teams in the National Hockey League. We're going to do a deep dive into the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, as well as taking a look at the Minnesota Wilds draft picks from these past few days. We're also going to touch on a bit of a sadder uh, topic, if you will, in the Logan Mayu situation and uh, another portion that actually involves the draft with the Montreal Canadiens selecting him 31st overall. We have four topics to get to, fairly lengthy topics as well, in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, and you won't want to miss any of it. So we're going to get started right away with Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. few news and notes a lot happening in the national hockey league it was the entry draft it was the expansion draft also a little bit of st cloud state news tie in that as well uh minnesota um let's stick with the minnesota wild here first because they had two first round picks and they added goaltender jesper walstead it was the first time either the minnesota wild or the minnesota north stars actually took a goaltender in the first round of the entry draft in their history. So uh, kind of a different uh, game there with uh, Bill Garrett of the Minnesota Wild. Also picking up dynamic defenseman Carson Lambos to finish off first round. Uh, but then comes the St. Cloud State connection. Jack Pert, uh, the incoming freshman and Mr. Hockey winner of 2021, is now a Minnesota Wild draft pick. He came in the second round, 54th overall. Uh, so congratulations to Jack. Uh, and, you know, quite stunning. I would say Noah here for uh, Jack to be drafted by a team that you're up watching. I know in the press conference that he was ecstatic. He was like, I was shocked. You know, it's like, I couldn't believe it actually happened. So congratulations to Jack and uh, incoming second rounder here. added to the Huskies lineup who surely I think will definitely battle for a top six spot here for Brett Larson and the St. Cloud State Huskies. Uh, we talk about uh, Logan Mayu here. Uh, just a quick preview for those folks. Uh, drafted 31st overall by the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, essentially, he had said that he did not want to be drafted. He, he told all 32 teams that did not want to be drafted because, uh, unfortunately, he was uh, convicted 
of offensive photography, uh, Constitution and Invasion of Privacy back in his hometown, I believe of Sweden, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken. Mistaken. Uh, but we will get into a deep dive of the situation here later. But uh, he was picked, even though there was much controversy surrounding him and, of course, his off heist behavior. And again, a deeper dive when we get to our next session, Noah. Yeah, Jack Perk going in the second round. I'm still waiting for my call, phone call from Billy Garen. I don't know what, what's up with him. I'm kind of just, I don't know, <laughs> waiting for my draft pick, unfortunately. But speaking of drafts, uh, another draft was also held this past week. Uh, without uh, the pomp and circumstance that really was supposed to accompany it, though, with the leak picks. But nonetheless, the Seattle Kraken had their uh, version 1.0 of their lineup. And we say 1.0 because we're going to jump into this in the main portion of the show, too. Uh, you and I both believe that they are not done uh, with what they've got going on this year, uh, including two former St. Cloud State Huskies making that roster as well. Uh, many experts believe, like we said, that the Kraken are not done. They've got about $30 million in cap space. Uh, after Michigan Wolverine defenseman Owen Power went first overall to Buffalo in the entry draft, Seattle also added fellow Wolverine forward Matthew Berniers at second overall. Seattle's now highest paid and oldest player they took in the draft is former Calgary defenseman and captain Mark Giordano, who turns 38 this season with a six. $0.75 million cap it for one more season. Seattle was also busy signing a pair of defensemen, Adam Larson, to a four-year deal and former Dallas star Jamie Alexiak to a five-year term. The team also added goaltender Chris Drieger to a three-year pack, and he's likely going to be their starting netminder. As the Kraken, uh, they're going to host Vancouver in their home opener on October 23rd at Climate Pledge Arena. And continuing on that theme, Noah, uh, this week also marked the end of the trade freeze here on the National Hockey League. And things are, well, should we say heating up now that uh, Seattle has, uh, as you mentioned, completed its expansion draft. We also now have completed the uh, the uh, entry draft as well. So uh, Seattle, when they picked up Tyler Pitlick in the expansion draft, they did flip him to Calgary uh, for, I believe, a third-round pick in 2022. Um, Arizona also sent future considerations um, other to Philadelphia in exchange for uh, 2022 draft picks and defenseman Shane Gostisbehere. So it goes to going over to the desert from the city of brotherly love. Uh, 219 points in 381 uh, initial games. I'm sorry. Uh, more shocking trade, though. Carolina, Kohler Trophy finalist Alex Nedeljkovic, uh, heck of a goaltender. Uh, unfortunately, it sounds like the uh, contract negotiations go didn't go well. So uh, after two sides couldn't uh, meet on terms, he was actually traded to Detroit for Jonathan Brunier in a third round pick and from uh, all the reports that were leaking out it sounds like uh, Carolina was offering maybe 1.5 million and uh, of course Nadelkovich wanting three uh, ended up getting that I believe in, in Detroit and uh, so uh, Carolina didn't budge and uh, until they traded him so kind of surprising there. Uh, Buffalo has also been busy we figured there would be some changes there um, on the west side of New York and there has been. Uh, former first overall draft pick Rasmus Ristolainen uh, was sent to Philadelphia for a defense of Robert Hag. The 14th overall pick in this last draft here just a couple of days ago and a second rounder in 2023. Uh, Sabres also sent out restricted free agent uh, center Sam Reinhardt to the Florida Panthers. He was a Minnesota Wild target, no question about it, and was uh, believed to be a goaltending prospect in Devin Levy and a first-round pick as well. Buffalo selected right-wing Isaac Rosen with that 14th overall pick that they did receive in that exchange. Uh, but the biggest trade uh, so far in terms of money and maybe head-scratcher here, you know, involves Chicago. Uh, they sent Stando and a Bullquist. And the 12th, over, uh, 12th overall pick and the 44th uh, pick in this last year's draft. And a 2022 first to Columbus for the 32nd pick, a sixth run selection in 2022. And they get back Seth Jones. Uh, and then immediately after Chicago signed Jones to an extension, eight years, 
nine and a half million ever, uh, per uh, season average annual value, uh, which will kick in the start of the season. Uh, Columbus then flipped the 44th pick from Chicago to Carolina for Jake Bean, a young defenseman who has had a lot of upside, shall we say, with that. Uh, but then another big splash in Vancouver, and a lot of people in Vancouver scratching, what in the hell is Jim Benning doing? Uh, they nabbed top four defenseman Oliver Exman Larson. They also got top nine forward Connor Garland in that train, sending back the ninth overall pick, uh, tw- uh, 2022 second round pick, a seventh in 2023, and then the essentially dead caps uh, spaces of Louis Air. And Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel. Arizona then did select right wing Dylan Gunther with an ninth overall pick. So a good pick up there by Arizona. And then Philadelphia sent Jacob for uh, Voracek to Columbus, where he was originally drafted, my way, for a winger Cam Atkinson. That one surprised me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, New York Rangers uh, did send Pavel Buchnevich, the forward, over to St. Louis uh, for Sammy Blay in a 2022 second-round pick. And the Rangers are also in the formal process of buying out Tony D'Angelo, who right now, as of this morning, was on unconditional waivers, has to clear by 11 a.m. Central before he can be officially bought out, Noah. Yeah, I tell you what, that Tony D'Angelo situation, that was kind of a, a long time coming, if you will. I mean, he had an opportunity to, I believe, get picked up by Montreal and he didn't want it. He didn't want to waive uh, his rights and what he had. So I don't know. It was just kind of a messy situation, if you will. Uh, finally, we yeah. did have some, some of those signings across the league, uh, a couple of retirements and injury updates and some news from the Western Hockey League uh, in the CHL. The Boston Bruins are bringing back forward Taylor Hall for the next four seasons at $6 million annually. Uh, forward Zach Hyman, nearing an expected seven or eight year deal, paying him five to five and a half million a season with Edmonton after leaving Toronto. What a great pickup that one is for the Oilers. Uh, Colorado gave former Hobie Baker winning defenseman Kale McCarr a six year signing worth $9 million annually, locking up up a key RFA for that club. Uh, the Rangers added recent Stanley Cup winning centerman Barclay Goodrow to a six-year deal. Edmonton gave 39-year-old goaltender Mike Smith a two-year re-signing at just over $2 million annually. And the New York Islanders re-added soon-to-be 39-year-old defenseman Andy Green to a one-year $1 million deal. Funny enough, that uh, Andy Green contract was actually uh, used to get them to the expansion draft rules. They had to have at least one defenseman that was exposed in the expansion draft. Uh, the Islanders did, so they re-signed the, the soon-to-be 39-year-old defenseman. Uh, in retirement news, uh, Colorado center Matt Calvert has retired after 10 seasons of the National Hockey League. The Brandon Manitoba native was limited to just 18 games this season and finished with 203 points in just over 560 NHL games with the Avalanche as well as with Columbus. Uh, two notable injuries uh, are in the headlines this week. And when I say injuries, more like surgeries. Seattle's newly acquired forward Yanni Gord is out for four months after shoulder surgery. And Montreal's number one netminder and Carey Price will miss 10 to 12 weeks with knee surgery. The Canadians also announced the star defenseman Shea Weber uh, will miss all of next season, and he might have career-ending injuries, including both ankles, one foot, one knee, and a thumb issue. He turns 36 next month with five years left on his contract. In our last two quick tidbits of the week, the OHL and the NHL have news. The Ontario Hockey League announced that all personnel must be vaccinated at least 14 days prior to the start of next season, including players. A player who fails to comply may be removed from their club's roster through the end of the pandemic or until the virus is no longer a concern. And team or league employees who fail to adhere to the guidelines can be placed on unpaid leave for the same length of time. Sorry about that. It was the OHL in our opener there, not the WHL. As much as I love watching the WHL, Brandon Manitoba, the Wheat Kings, just an hour from where I'm from. 
to wrap things up, Nick, uh, the National Predators prospect and Calgary Hitman player Luke Prokop has become the first active player under NHL contract to come out as gay. The 19-year-old announced the news on Twitter and has received abounding support from his teams, the Predators, the NHL, and Commissioner Gary Bettman. Uh, really excited to see the response by that. You never know how those things are going to go. Uh, and for him, uh, we wish him the best of luck. It just seems like he's in a really better place, and he's one heck of a hockey player, too. So excited to see where Luke's career ends up. Once again, welcome into episode number 71. Holy smokes, can't believe we're at 71 already, Nick, uh, here on this Sunday morning. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I rearranged my uh, office. I moved my entire studio in my apartment, uh, just kind of hanging out. Uh, what are you up to on this Sunday morning, Mr. Maxson? A couple of things. So uh, obviously working some of the wires um, as well, uh, just kind of keeping track of the, uh, the Buffalo situation. Um, now that uh, essentially Sam Reinhardt and Rasmus Ristolainen are gone, uh, for the Minnesota Wild, who've been kind of been following uh, their search, Bill Guerin's very active search for a number one center, uh, a lot of eyes are now focused right now uh, on Jack Eichel. Now we've passed the expansion draft. We have passed now the exp- um the NHL entry draft for a lot of bigger deals have been made as we touched on those early uh, in the show when the center has few news and notes, but uh, at the end of it, uh, he's running out of time and he's running out of uh, options here as well. And you have to think also with Kevin Fiala unsigned and Kirill uh, Kaprizov unsigned again, I'm not too worried about, you know, that they're not signed. I think they'll get deals done, but you have to wonder more about Kevin Fiala. There really is no reason why he shouldn't be signed right now. So that one's kind of picking up my head a little bit. So just kind of, Seeing if some of these dominoes start to fall, I do think that uh, once we get to Wednesday, which is the official free agency period um, for the National Hockey League ending Wednesday the 28th, um, you're going to see a lot more deals happen. I am expecting Suter and Parise uh, both, again, the package deal as they are, how about that, uh, to be heading to the New York Islanders. That has been vastly reported, and it'll be kind of fun to see where everything else kind of lands. So, uh Still a very active time in the NHL, and the uh, funny thing is, is we're less than uh, essentially 70 to 80 days away from the start of the regular season, so a shorter off season. and uh, at the end of the day, it seems like the, this is just going to be a continuation from one season to the other. So a lot of things happen. I'm just trying to keep my heads up for it and uh, getting ready for uh, the, the fall here coming because, uh, yeah, class is starting in a, a month. What yeah, the hell? So, <laughs> I, I know it's, it's crazy. You know, when you talk about Bill Guerin and, you know, he's kind of playing the waiting game. It is a chess game. I mean, let's be real. And I, there's a reason that the Minnesota Wild don't have Jack Eichel right now. And I think it's just simply the asking price. So the question mark is, is I believe the only other team that's really probably got a shot at this right now is probably the New York Rangers. And you look at the trade with Pavel Buchnevich, it seems like the Rangers are pretty heavily linked to Eichel as well. You know, and the question is, you know, if Minnesota likes the player, a.k.a. Jack Eichel, do they give up enough for them? And does Buffalo force their hand because they're worried that they're not going to get him? Or does Minnesota sit pat and see if Buffalo will lower the asking price and pay, play the patient chess game that it is? So there's a lot of pieces that are going to go into that. It's going to be interesting to see what Bill Guerin is going to do. Um, again, I still haven't gotten the phone call from him, so I don't know what's up with that. I'll have to, <laughs> have to, have to reach out to him there, but. I mean, you know, the Kevin Fiala situation, I got to imagine that he's probably sitting and taking a look at what Kirill Kaprizov is going to do and where his contract's going to end up. It kind of kind of feels that way or vice versa, one or the other, because Kevin Fiala, he's more of a streaky goal scorer. But production wise, you know, he's he's probably the, one of the guys that comes closest to touching what Kaprizov did last year with 51 points in 55 games. So uh, it'll be intriguing. Uh, to see what the Minnesota Wild do. We're going to talk a little bit more about their draft pick stuff uh, today and then maybe 
I'm guessing at some point we're going to circle back to uh, that depth chart and see where Minnesota is going to end up. Cause uh, I don't know what they're going to do, but I have a hard time believing their off season is going to be uh, Chuck Fletcher quiet. If you will, <laughs> I have, I feel like things are going to be happening and not, and not Chuck Fletcher busy, AKA trading a first rounder for a guy who lasts about 15 games for us. Uh, sorry, Martin Hansel. Anyway, uh, moving on to our trivia question. Speaking of uh, drafting, Nick, uh, the question did read, the St. Cloud State Huskies have had picks littered throughout the NHL draft dating back to the 1980s. However, only three former Huskies defensemen have went to in the fourth round or earlier before yesterday. Who are they? Nick, can you name any of these defensemen? Uh, Chalowski was a first rounder. Yep. Uh, oh, jeez. trying to think who else would have been up there. Another one that's kind of around that, that time period-ish. Mm-hmm. The third one I don't expect you to get. So they both play for the Kraken. Does that help you? Oh, Will Borgen. Yep, Will Borgen. The third one you're not going to get. I, I if you haven't gotten now, you won't get it. Uh, Casey Borer played for the Carolina Hurricanes, 2004 yeah. third round. Yeah, I don't think you would have gotten that one. Like you nope. mentioned, um, Chalowski and Borgen are current members of the Seattle Kraken, and there's actually a fourth member. Uh, to enter that list as of yesterday, a second rounder uh, Minnesota Wild pick, Jack Pert. Uh, so congratulations to Jack on his uh, next endeavor. But Nick, let's talk Seattle Kraken and let's talk about what they've got going on uh, with their, uh, again, version 1.0 of their roster. I I think you and I can both agree that uh, this is step one of step six and a half uh, for the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. They're, they're not done. Uh, first of all, what did you make of this Seattle Kraken's draft? Uh, you know, and what are your thoughts on what they do next? I think it was, they ended up with 15 forwards uh, and a fair number of defensemen and three goaltenders. So what are your thoughts on the draft and what's next for them? So as we thought, you know, there, there was a two main ideas that everybody had of how Seattle would approach this draft, right? There was going to be uh, some teams that had a lot to pick from um, that had an ability to, uh, what do you call it, uh, shed some cap and they could acquire a great player, which also means they're taking on some bad money. Or they could sit back, they could draft, um, you could say, me- I don't know if mediocre is the right word, but they would take wh- what they thought they could and then they would weaponize a bunch of cap space. And what we've seen is the latter is that they've got about $29 million in cap space. And to me, um, they're going to use that as their weapon. Um, This was talked a little bit about um, around the Canadian media, which is, you know, there was a lot of surprise around why uh, there wasn't any side deals reported with the Seattle Kraken, right? Because we all know uh, Minnesota was victim of that to Vegas, uh, you know, sending Eric Holland and the sweetener with Alex Tuck uh, to protect um, a different player in the wild roster at the time. so, you know, instead of that, what uh, Ron Francis did was, you know, instead of making those deals, which I think he thought maybe was not going to get as much value at that point, um, I think he feels, and I agree with him on the strategy, is uh, the, the salary cap dollar and the, the, the ability to dump salary, I think now that, you know, it's all said and done, at least with the types of players that are protected, he can do a lot more wheeling and dealing now. Um, with that cap space. And I think he can get more value in return as far as sweeteners, whether it be draft picks, whether it be something else, and not be really inhibited by rules of an expansion draft. So now he's got full reins, right? So now, you know, whoever was protected per se, that's off the boards right now. That means everybody's at play. And so now you have a little bit more 
uh, I guess, negotiating power. And uh, I think that no question about it for those who are looking at this roster. Again, Vegas did the same thing, not to the extent, uh, but essentially Vegas also uh, did flip some players and they drafted, uh, you know, with the ability to get some side deals done. So what we see now with Seattle is not going to be their opening roster. For folks who really look at Seattle, they say that's going to be their opening roster and already what they're doing. Um, you're not going to go into a season, especially this one with $30 million in cap space. This is not how this works. Um, so be definitely uh, curious to see who are the targeting as well as what some of the negotiations are happening, maybe some of the free agents that are out there as well. Because remember, uh, Seattle did have exclusive a window here before the uh, the entry draft. Uh, but still, you know, there's still, still some big names out there. Um, they may circle back on. They may be uh, negotiating some deals as we speak right now. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, they're not done by any means. And there's to me, there's going to be very active in the trade market, um, especially some of those teams are looking at dump cap. Just don't yeah. call Chuck Fletcher because he's already done stuff. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, and I, and I usually am, uh, it, Seattle, I don't even think is at the cap floor, are they? Uh, because I think the cap, it's, 85, it's 85% of what the cap is. And in 2019, it was like 61 million. So I think it's like 62, 63, something like that. So um, whatever 85% of 81.5 is, I can't do that in my head. Maybe you could help me out with that. But um, yeah, I mean, when, when you look at Seattle's moves, um, you know, I, I think that their draft looks entirely different if one, you know, you know, we're not in a flat cap era. I mean, that, that's the thing that you have to think right. about it. You know, you're looking at, you're looking at how do you leverage teams that, uh, you know, either are in a position to try to alleviate some cap space or, you know, really need to alleviate some cap space. Um, and it's, it's an interesting move because as you look at Seattle's roster, again, you have that leverage, but with that leverage, you also have to have teams that buy into the player that you're trying to, to flip them back to. Uh, for those who are wondering, I know a couple of people had asked this, uh, can the Minnesota Wild pick up Carson Soucy back? Nope, they've got to wait a year. Um, so if you are a team that wants the guy back that was taken from you from Seattle, you can't. they can't be flipped back uh, to that team for another year. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I also wanted to ask, Nick, uh, before we kind of jump into the roster a little bit, uh, were you a little surprised that Carson Susie was picked over Capo Kakinen? I think the thinking, you know, if you're Ron Francis is understanding, you know, you look at, first of all, you look at their goaltending prospects. They were a group that really believes in Chris Drieger, first of all. And I can understand why, but you know, there was, um, you know, obviously Kerry Price, we know he was hurt, but you know, he was on the board. Uh, a couple of other decent goaltending um, goaltenders that were on the board that maybe have had some inconsistency or injury issues, but when they're on, they're on uh, kind of similar to the Marc-Andre Fleury piece alone, maybe not to the caliber of Marc-Andre Fleury minus Kerry Price, I would say. Uh, did you think that uh, obviously they took the safe bet picking Carson Susie, uh, Seattle did instead of the kind of unknown in Capo Kakinen, a lot of reports said Kakinen was going to be the guy that was going to be taken instead of Carson Soucy. Is it that much of a surprise to you that Kakinen wasn't the one that was picked, or do you think Seattle was going for the sure bet here? It, you can look at it from both ways, right? So, uh, you know, we had talked last week that um, I said Carson Soucy would probably be the likely pick, but I, I will tell you one thing that, you know, as the week went along, I really started to have uh, some differences mm -hmm. to sway that says, you know, they might pick Capo Um Again, younger goaltender, um, really good numbers. Uh, you know, at the end of it, I don't think he would have been. A, it's not It's not that I look at it as a surprise uh, because, you know, again, when you're a general manager on an expansion draft, right, you're looking at, you know, 40 million puzzle pieces and you got to pick 20, right? 
So at the end of it, you, you kind of wonder where the scouting came into play, you know, whether or not, you know, obviously Drieger was huge. Uh, he was really good with Florida. I think, you know, if the, what do you call it? Uh, if there were a different names of goaltenders that were out there, um, I think maybe Kakin does get taken, right? So uh, maybe it was a gamble by Jim Bill Guerin. It kind of sounded like when he was asked by Michael Russo at the Athletic that he even admitted that it was kind of a roll of the dice uh, to try to keep his goalie uh, tandem in pack. Uh, and he did, right? So they lose Susie, who is still a heck of a player, still a big body. They're going to lose as a bottom, um, a bottom uh, defenseman here for the Minnesota Wild. But uh, surprising, I don't know if I'll characterize it surprising. Um, I think it's more of, okay, you, you took the gamble. Uh, Ron Francis saw what he what he saw. He had other plans, and well, here you go, right? So, and yeah. other thing too is I'm just glad that uh, Minnesota as well uh, learned from their first mistake uh, yes. from Vegas, and you know didn't uh, throw extra the way of a saddle to maybe protect somebody else. Yeah, you know, and I think that that was the mentality. You had to understand if you're Minnesota, you were going to lose a, likely a good defenseman or a good goaltender. Long shot at losing a forward, but you're probably going to lose Susie or Kakinen, and you kind of just had to accept that instead of trying to trying to mess with the damage that was going to be inflicted, if you will. As we look at Seattle's uh, current expansion draft roster, of course, the one guy that's not on this list anymore is Tyler Pitlick, uh, as he was flipped to Calgary there. When I look at this forward group, and I mean, you've got a group that – if anything, Seattle can hit the cap floor and build for the future here, you know, and have a young group. If for whatever reason, something doesn't pan out. Obviously we said, we don't think that they're done. Uh, I got to imagine, I'm thinking Yanni Gord and maybe Jordan Everly on the four group are probably the only two guys. I don't think are going to get touched. Maybe Jonas Donskoy might, might be thrown in there too, but the other ones, I mean, Jared McCann can be moved. Brandon Tanev can be moved. The question now, of course, is, is cap there with those guys uh, on the defensive side. Um, Mark Giordano is not going anywhere just because I think he's got one year left on his deal and he's going to be a good veteran presence. Uh, kind of, uh, kind of like Derek England was uh, for the Vegas golden Knights in that group. Um, Jamie Alexiak, obviously not going anywhere. Uh, Adam Larson, not going anywhere. I like both those guys in that signing uh, Carson Susie, I don't think is going anywhere. Um, and then you look at actually, I really like their defensive core. Their defense, their defensive core is going to be the strength of this team. I mean, you got Kale Flurry, Hayden Flurry, uh, Vince Dunn. If you can find a way to kind of reinvigorate his game, uh, their goaltending goaltending situation, I don't think is that bad. To be honest with you, the question is, can Chris Drieger handle a sixty game or fifty five game workload? That's going to be the question. Uh, and are they going to go with a one A one B? Is is there going to be a one B that's going to emerge between Joey Dacord and Vitek Vanacek uh, that's going to kind of take the reins and maybe kind of alleviate Chris Drieger, or is this Chris Drieger's time to shine? So it's going to be really interesting. If you're Ron Francis, um, after getting over the fact that he called second overall pick Maddie Berniers and went to voicemail the first time, don't know if you got to see that. It's kind of interesting. Um, and there's a guy that could step into that lineup in a, in a year or two as it is. Uh, if you're Ron Francis. Is there a, a specific team, a specific player, a specific set of moves that you're kind of thinking? Um, obviously, I know that's kind of a, a difficult question with all the teams there, but is there a specific move or a specific player that you're thinking that you want to go for next um, or a specific package that, you know, if, if you're Ron Francis, you think kind of makes sense for Seattle, um, either starting off or somewhere down the line here before the season begins? You know, it's it's a fantastic question, right? So it, it kind of depends what's out there, right? So let's look at Nashville, for example, right? They exposed Ryan Johansson, and they also exposed Matthew Shane, right? They're both being paid handsomely, and uh, let's just say their production was uh, not the full value of what they're being paid for, right? So, But they're good hockey players, right? So the, the thing, what we saw with Ron Francis and Seattle was, 
they didn't touch any bad contracts. Um, mm-hmm. Vancouver did that for everybody, so we're, we're good <laughs> on that. Um, uh, that's what still boggles me why Vancouver would make that move. But moving back to Seattle, uh, it's tough, right? Because, you know, it, what complicates everything is the flat cap, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, again, like you mentioned, if, if we were to do this all over again and we didn't have – the flat cap on our hands, I, I don't think that, you know, this expansion draft would look anywhere close to what it looks right now. Um, I think also we wouldn't be seeing a lot of the moves that were being uh, seen, such as in the likes of Philadelphia, for example, where they're dumping sadly, they'll be dumped Shane Gostas bear with picks for quite literally nothing for future considerations. So uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, They have no center depth right now. uh, So that's going to be something we'll have to look at. Um, I think that they'll make uh, some offers for trades uh, in that. Um, And, you know, Kevin Adams for going back to Buffalo uh, for Jack Eichel, you maybe want to throw Seattle in there. Maybe. Uh, Why not? Because, I mean, hey, you got the cap space. Uh, It sounds like he's back on the ice now. And, uh, you know, maybe you have some assets there now that you can flip for uh, for Kevin Adams and, and for the Buffalo Sabres now that you've acquired uh, in the expansion draft you could use in a package. So we'll see. Um, Buffalo needs defense. Uh, they need a lot of things, actually, but defense is number one. Um, so maybe you look at that. I don't know. You know, uh, Ron Francis has kept his cards pretty close to the chest so far, but uh, no question they need help down the middle. Um, yeah, because uh, like you mentioned, their, their defensive core and their goaltending actually looks pretty solid. Uh, but as far as production and, and scoring threats and maybe scoring ability, uh, to me still left, uh, leaves a little bit to be desired. So I, I would think that you're going to start to see maybe some looks in, uh, from some teams to try to acquire a little bit more of some top-end talent there on the four group. But again, a lot of teams aren't trying to, to move their talent it's hard to come by right now, uh, but again, we'll see what happens. Maybe uh, maybe Buffalo was enticed with uh, with Seattle, and I know that uh, also with uh, Terry Pagula coming out and essentially saying that he wants Jack Eichel to land in the Western Conference, which makes sense. You don't want uh, a big trade of essentially a, a what could have been a first round overall pick. He went second, obviously, uh, to come back and bite you um, in the playoffs. And the only time you want would be in the Stanley Cup Final. Buffalo is nowhere close to that, so uh, we'll see. Um, you know, but to me next just be the four groups for sure yeah seattle uh, reminds me of maybe like the 2013 minnesota wild decent defensive depth and really kind of trying to grow a little bit more on offense and also when you talk about the jack eichel situation there's a guy who could have went first overall in any other draft had he not been paired with uh, Connor mcdavid i mean let's Connor be real here. so um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Seattle does. Uh, and again i think if you wanted to say their worst contract is probably i don't know I was thinking about that when you had said that. I don't know, Brandon Tanev, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Mar Giordano Tanev. But you got one year left, so I mean. I don't think Brandon Tanev is not, you know, it, 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 and it's funny when you say worst contract, right? Brandon Tanev is definitely a, a meaty contract, but he's a very unique player. He can play in multiple different roles. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife when it comes to the knife. He's got tireless energy. Um, so, you know, I get that from him. And uh, I think he's actually a pretty decent player. Um, so, uh, yeah, it may be uh, expensive for what he does, but uh, he's a character guy. He's a good leader. So, um, and, I'm, and I'm sure that Ron Francis, you know, uh, you know, due to his due diligence, probably with the scouting and whatnot. And I think Brandon Tennant is going to actually be a heck of a player for Seattle yeah. when, he, uh, when he debuts. I don't think he talked about earlier players that, you know, probably won't be flipped. I don't think Brandon Tennant will be going anywhere either. Yeah, well, he fills a need for Seattle, let's be real, especially if, even if it's a bottom six or 
depending on middle six role, just depending on where their, their forward group actually ends up. I mean, he's a guy that, again, you talked about, they have the cap space to do something with it and give him a, give him a shot at some playing time. Uh, speaking of playing time in the future, if you will, the Minnesota wild were active, of course, uh, in the NHL draft in the actual entry draft this past week. And I got to be honest with you, Nick, I was really happy uh, with the way the Minnesota Wild executed this draft. I think they did a fantastic job uh, in their drafting pieces once again. Where was Billy Guerin five years ago, right? Um, and his, uh, you know, um, Judd Brackett and, and, and that staff uh, being able to kind of do what they've done in the past couple of seasons here. Uh, but taking a look at Minnesota's picks, obviously Jesper Wallstadt, uh, that uh, 20th overall selection for the Minnesota Wild, uh, a goaltender. We're going to touch on him as well as Carson Lambos uh, playing in Winnipeg in the WHL. Uh, and then Jack Pert, of course, in that second round. Caden uh, Bankier in the third round. Kyle Masters and Josh Piller uh, in the fourth round. Then Nate Benoit uh, coming in the sixth round. I really like, uh, if you're looking at kind of those those back four there. I really like Josh Piller. If you got a chance to check out some of his highlights, I really like the way that he plays. Caden Bankier's got a good game too. He's a little bit younger, but Josh Piller, I think, uh, is a pillar of strength, pun intended, there, uh, the way he plays the game uh, and is just so hockey IQ smart. But let's start with the first pick that the Minnesota Wild made. They get a goaltender that arguably has the chance potentially to vie with Capo Kakinen as the goaltender of the future. I think you can see the thought process if you're the Minnesota Wild. You've got Cam Talbot. He'll be 36 at the end of his contract. He's got two years left on that. Capo Kakinen still developing. I think you can kind of see where the road is going for the Minnesota Wild, understanding that they might have two goaltending prospects and one of them is hopefully going to find the reins uh, for this group. Uh, what did you think about the first ever goaltending pick in Minnesota Wild history? Uh, I like to move. Um, and again, he's solid. Uh, again, he, he's not like the biggest goalie, but he's not the smallest. You know, he's not an Alex yeah. Daylock. He's 6'3", 214 pounds. Uh, but again, as uh, you know, Judd Brackett had mentioned, he's a, a strong technical goaltender. Um, and I like that word technical because we know with goaltending, you know, and you, you watch it with Andre Vasilevsky, he's solid technically, right? So he's in the right position. He knows how uh, deep to be in his crease or maybe to when to be on top of the paint. Because um, you know when it gets to playoff time, when there's traffic in front of you, a lot of the saves you're making, you're not seeing them. You're just in the right spot. You're covering a lot of the net. Um, you can replace, anticipate plays. So um, I like the fact that he's a strong technical goaltender. Um, and as you mentioned, that, that's no question where this is trending. Uh, they signed Cantel to a three-year deal. Uh, no question to give time for a capital cap and to develop and also to be able to take some uh, some games as a backup and maybe uh, hopefully emerge to be, um, you know, a starter. Uh, but now you have uh, Jesper Wallstead, who's going to probably compete for him with that. So uh, I think it's another way to get to, to, to push Kapokak in, especially this year. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of want to see where what happens, especially um, maybe in two years, I would say. Because, again, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Cam Talbot uh, under contract through uh, next season. So he's got uh, this year and next year uh, with the wild left. And um, unless uh, either Kakinen doesn't continue to develop or, you know, something else happens, I can't imagine at least from where the road is leading that he gets extended. Maybe he does by a year. We'll see what happens. But uh, uh, no question that uh, Garen is trying to uh, get a nice young very solid goaltender into the into the mix to try to push uh, his current two starters. Kind of, you know, I like the pick, and I think he's going to be a, a good fit for the Wild. 
Yeah. Um, when you look at him, did you get a chance to watch his highlight video? Yeah. And, and when, and when I say highlight video, it's gotta be the most boring highlight video I've ever seen. And that's a good thing <laughs> when we talk goalies. Yeah. And, w- and when I say that is because he reminds me of, you remember the pick of Askarov? Um, he kind of reminds yeah. me of him and a little bit even more composed. Um, another good goaltender taking the first round would be Spencer Knight uh, with Florida. But uh, you know, when, when you look at Walsett's game, so calm, I mean, ridiculously calm. The way that he anticipates, the way that he uses his frame, uh, positionally very, very sound. A very quiet goaltender. When you talk about goaltenders with quiet feet, a very good example for us uh, on the women's side for single state was Emma Paluzzi. I know we talk about that with her and that quality a lot. Just somebody who knows where the play is going to be before it happens and is able to put themselves in the best possible position to make a save. When you have a goaltender who's approaching a 930 save percentage as a 17-year-old in one of the top leagues overseas, uh, playing uh, with men, not with guys of his own age, playing with men, you know, and being able to do that and look cool, calm, and composed doing it. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have to be ecstatic that this player fell to him. And you look at where Minnesota was in the draft. With the discussion, of course, a couple of years ago with Askarov, with Spencer Knight, is that they were high-end caliber goaltenders. But the thing is, goaltenders are a crapshoot when it comes to drafting them. And when you're sitting in that, you know, top five, top 10, top 15, you know, do you take a goaltender or are you in a better position to take your best player available in terms of like a skater group, just knowing that he's a guy that might slot into your NHL lineup a little bit more easily. But I think if you were Minnesota, just where you were picking at number 20, having a player like that fall to you, um, you know, and trading up for it, obviously, I, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a thinking there that, the fact that Minnesota made the playoffs kind of helped them a little bit because it gave them an opportunity to maybe take a player that maybe they would have selected a different player or an outskater had they been at number 14 or 15 versus trading up to number 20. So uh, just it kind of reminds me of the Marco Rossi situation a little bit where they had a player fall to him that maybe they didn't expect was going to fall to him. Uh, and they're very fortunate on that one. Nick, only a couple minutes left in the main portion of the show. I really, really want to get your thoughts uh, on Carson Lambos uh, filling a defensive need between potentially as of course we're with the loss of Ryan Suter, Kalen Addison probably going to jump into that lineup. But after that uh, it might be slim pickings for the next couple of years, unless some of these guys continue to develop. Uh, what do you think of Carson Lambos? And do you think he's in a Minnesota wild sweater in the next three years? Uh, so for Carson Lambos, uh, you know, for those uh, it, kind of a little bit of Jonas Berdeen in a sense, uh, two way, rugged, hard defender, um, you know, so, and the thing about with Lambos, he's a great skater. Um, also picked up 32 points in 57 games with uh, the Winnipeg uh, uh, ice in the WHL. Uh, so yep. pretty crazy, actually. <laughs> um, but the one thing you, you like about uh, Carson Lambos um, is, you know, at the end of it, you know, he's not the biggest kid. He's only six one, but 200. So, but he's a young kid, right? He's uh, what, 18 or 19 years old, 18, excuse me. Um, God, do I feel old? Um, so, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, uh, we, we, when you talk about, you know, Jonas Ferdinand, what he brings to the table, right. Is that smooth skating, uh, hard, you know, good hockey sense. Carson Lambos is like that with maybe a little bit more offensive upside to him. I know with Brodeen, he's very, very streaky when, you know, he'll pot in a goal or be, you know, I just have plenty, plenty of assists to his name, but, you know, to, to be able to take that a little bit more and have a little bit more of a scoring threat, Carson Lambos is kind of that guy. Um, and it goes, and again, uh, as John Brackett mentioned, uh, high compete level. I mean, that's what you need. And a defenseman is a guy that's not afraid uh, to be in his own end, to go in and compete on the boards, compete in front of the net, uh, compete for ice no matter where you're going to be, and compete physically. So 
that is a heck of a pick there as well. So, uh, but again, you know, uh, got plenty of time to develop. He'll probably go back to juniors this year. I'm guessing, uh, being that, you know, he's only 18 years old. So we'll see what the wild plan for him, but, uh, give him a couple of years of a uh, seasoning and maybe gets down to the, uh, to the Iowa wild uh, for more. And we can't wait to watch him grow. Um, uh, I think it's going to be a, a really good player. Yeah. You, you know, and, and the, the thing that when you, when you take a look at that particular defenseman, uh, he honestly reminds me of like a Jonas Brodin Jared Spurgeon hybrid, like a taller Jared Spurgeon, but with not as much offensive upside, but a guy that a lot of scouts described as a Swiss army knife, a jack of all trades. And I think that that's an important piece as a, as a defenseman. You know, we think of, uh, let's say, for example, uh, Ian Cole, where, where it sounds like Ian Cole might not be returning to the wild, by the way, uh, just kind of what his asking price is. But you think about Ian Cole, what does Ian Cole give you? Big body, shot blocker, heavy physical minutes. That's Ian Cole's game. Not, and I'm not saying he's one dimensional because he's not, you know, he's a good penalty killer. He, he does all the little things right. But then you think about Jared Spurgeon, good player on both sides of the ice can produce offensively is always in the plus column, always in the right position. There's a guy where there's a reason why he's on the first pairing versus the third pairing, just simply because of the extra assets and the extra tools in his tool belt that he's able to utilize with throughout the course of a game and throughout the course of a season. And that's what you're getting with Carson Lambos. And I really like the pick as well. I totally, totally agree with you. Um, I tell you what, man, this Minnesota wild pipeline, this prospect pipeline is looking better and better every day. Uh, and, and I'm really excited to see uh, where the next step is for this group. Uh, and very curious to see, where this puts them in free agency uh, and, and where this puts them as far as trades. And again, when you talk about the Jack Eichel situation, I know some people are high on them, some people aren't, but you have more picks and more pieces as leveraging points should you feel highly enough that the asking price is correct for Jack Eichel where you have to give up a prospect or two. That's another thing to think about. Obviously, you don't want to give away parts of your pipeline, but that is a piece that uh, is going to be a part of that Buffalo trade should it happen uh, for the Sabres before the season starts. Uh, Nick, do you have anything else to add on the Minnesota Wild or the Seattle expansion draft before we head on over to our extra ice session? Uh, let's go ahead and you know, let's, let's switch gears and head on that way. Sure. All right. Sounds good. So that will do it for the regular portion of the show. We're going to talk about the Logan Mayu situation. Like we mentioned, the Montreal Canadiens drafting him in the first round, 31st overall. And uh, we're going to head on over to the extra ice session. And once again, welcome into the Extra Ice session. I don't think I mentioned this before, but I'm Noah Grant, along with my co-host Nick Maxson here for this extra portion of the show. Hi, Nick. It's a pleasure to bring you in here. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, about 40 minutes into the show here. But uh, Logan Mayu, uh, as you kind of alluded to a little bit in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better term, essentially, like you mentioned, was convicted for um, essentially engaging in a sexual act uh, with a woman. Uh, I believe she was 18 when he was 17. And then he took, I believe it was either picture or video uh, without her knowing, without her consent, and then distributed it to a couple teammates over Snapchat. Uh, and she found out about this and obviously was not happy about that. Uh, a couple pieces to this um, that are going to go on here before I get your thoughts on this, Nick. I, I mean, it's a very, very messy situation. Um, of course, we had a recent scandal, if you will, with the Mitchell Miller situation and the Arizona Coyotes and their draft pick too. And we've kind of had them in close succession. There's a comparison to be made there, but I think it's almost a decomparison, if you will. And I think you and I both are going to agree that we're going to touch on this um, a little bit here uh, in terms of 
I don't even know what the good word is. I would say levels of depravity. I don't even know, you know, versus, you know, I don't want to use the word severity because you can't put a piece of severity on something like this because it obviously affects everybody. It's going to affect Logan. It's going to affect this gal. It's going to affect all friends and families. Obviously the Montreal Canadians, the national hockey league, it's going to affect everybody in some way, shape or form. So I don't think severity is the right word, but I think, objectively if we're looking at this the mitchell miller situation was messy because it was a repeated instance where mitchell miller was continually bullying um people versus this incident i think is a little bit different but again still doesn't take away anything from what's going on here i want to read a couple of things here nick um before i get your thoughts first the montreal canadians like we mentioned drafted uh logan at 31st overall don't forget general manager Mark Bergevin is still wrapped up in the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks um, scandal with Mr. Aldrich as well. And he's a piece of that too. So a lot of people were making the connection of that plus a similar instance with Logan's case, still drafting this player. So that's part one of this part. Number two, um, I want to read the response to the draft pick from GM Mark Bergevin. I know he held a conference but he essentially said, we are making a commitment to accompany Logan on his journey by providing him with the tools to mature and the necessary support to guide him in development. We are also committed to raising awareness among our players about the repercussions of the actions on the lives of others. Um, pretty general statement, I would say, from an NHL club, but you hope that that's true. You hope that process is going to go on. The last piece of this is a lot of people, including the gal who had reported Monday to the athletics said that she just wanted a heartfelt apology from Logan and doesn't feel like she's gotten it yet. And that's the biggest piece that I think has bothered a lot of people is that it feels like Logan is making these comments now because he knows that his draft stock is in trouble and they wonder if he's really felt remorse for this action. Okay. Um, and we're going to jump into that here. I do want to read Logan's statement that came out yesterday. He said, during an intimate act with a young woman, I took a picture of us without her consent. I sent it to my teammates to impress them. It was totally irresponsible and a stupid act that I committed without thinking twice. For that lack of judgment on my part, I was fined by Swedish law. I know I caused a lot of harm to this person and their family. I regret doing this stupid and egotistical act. I deeply regret it. What I did now is unfortunately a part of both her life and mine. I've apologized to her, but nonetheless, this will follow her for the rest of her life. And for that, I deeply and sincerely regret it. I know I had said that I did not want to be drafted this year, but as a young man who wants to become a better person, I feel that being accompanied by the Canadians organization will help me greatly. As we had, as you had alluded to as well, Logan also mentioned that he didn't want to be drafted and wanted a year to kind of work on himself, uh, but you can't actually pull yourself from the draft registry. So Montreal was free to draft a player who by all accounts, Skill-wise alone is definitely a first-round talent and maybe even a top-20 talent uh, the way he plays on the ice. But off the ice, there's a lot to digest here. Nick, I know you've, I've kind of had you sitting there, but I kind of wanted to open up some of the statements so that people get the full breadth of the story. Nick, first of all, what were your thoughts when you were sitting there watching the draft or got a chance to check out the draft and saw Logan Mayu's name called in the first round by the Montreal Canadiens? I think surprised is lightly said. Um, mm -hmm. You know, these situations are always tough. Um, and the reason why I say that is, you know, there's, there's no denying the actions that happened right there. They, they were, they were, uh, uh, they were terrible. They caused a lot of harm. Uh, it's one of those deals where, um, you know, th there's, there's no taking that back. You know, there wasn't any really foresight into it. Um, but as you mentioned too, you know, the, the victim claims she never got her 
apology, but as you just mentioned in that statement, he he's mentioning he he said he did. So there's already a, a conflict of information there. Mm-hmm. What 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 upsets me about this kind of situation, Noah, and you know I'm going to get flack for this, and I don't care, is there is a fine line between um, holding somebody accountable and also stripping them of their future. Yeah. Right. Yes. So it, it's one of those. It, it's it's a very fine line to walk. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I condone his actions. I do not support his actions. Um, and I, I think, however, being that as a young kid, yes, he's a, a top uh, a top prospect. Obviously, he's got the tools to be a very successful professional hockey player. Um, but at what's the line to draw, right? What what is what is acceptable for the consequences, right? And this is where I almost have an, an issue where I, I had to take a step back myself, right? I think we all do sometimes and say, okay, yes, let's, we all know what happened. We all know that this was a horrible thing. But what is, what is the right road forward, right? And I kind of think we're we're in this we're in this weird time in society where, uh, especially when these the they're, I wonder if you want to call him high profile because, you know, he, he's not really made a name for himself yet, but he, he, he's, he's on a road that not many people get to walk. You know, he's a first round pick. Uh, he's a, a potential National Hockey League uh, product. Uh, not many people even get to that spot. So he, he does have a little bit of a platform that, you know, he's got to walk. But at one point, do we sit back and we take that away and say he's still an 18 year old kid who made a mistake? And as you alluded to earlier, it sounds like this was an isolated incident. It doesn't sound like this is a repeated thing, at least as we know. And so, you know, what is what is the right way to handle this? You know, what what is the right consequences? I'm not in favor of part of my friend shitting on someone's future. Yep. I am in favor, um, you know, obviously of you know the right consequences that you know fit the crime, if you want to call it that way. Uh, he was, you know convicted in Sweden and he was uh, given repercussions as well. So there's you know, he was already given what the law where this occurred, you know, uh, could give him. Right. So, but, but then the question becomes, well, okay, is this, is this an issue of character or is this an issue of choice somebody made? Right. Um, and I don't know if we have the answer to that just yet. Um, you hope it sounds like at least from what Montreal is, is saying, and I actually want to, I actually want to uh, expand on that quote, uh, Noah, because uh, you know you, you you read some of it, but I want to actually go earlier in that. And this is what Bergman also said. He goes, uh, "I quote by drafting prospect Logan Mayu with the 31st overall pick, the Montreal Canadiens organization not only selected a promising hockey player, but also a young man who recently admitted to making a serious mistake. The Canadians are aware of the situation, and by no means minimize the severity of Logan's actions. Logan understands the impact of his actions. His recent public statement is a genuine acknowledgement of his poor behavior and the first step." on his personal journey. So reading in that on the surface kind of is almost in line with what I'm thinking, right? Which is, uh, you know, they've obviously did some homework, or at least I would hope they did some homework on it. They said, okay, yep, he made a, he made a goof. He, he goofed up. Um, it sounds like from their point of view, um, he's either talking at least enough about it or, said the right things to say, okay, we believe this kid, this, this was, this is not a character issue. This is not something where, you know, he's going to fool me twice per se. This was a a one-time thing and we feel like we can get over this. So I want to throw this back to you, Noah, because again, this is, these are not easy conversations. They're not. 
And again, you know, for the third time, so folks are listening because I know I'm going to get my head blasted off and I don't care. Um, again, I do not condone nor do support the actions that he took this player. However, I'm also, again, understanding that, you know, uh, and I don't have all the answers to situations like these, but what is the right route for As an 18 year old, I feel like, you know, in America, again, even if, unless, you know, your crime is a heinous, we all get second chances. The question is, um, you know, I guess that I think there's still some more that we need to figure out, you know, find out from this and from what Montreal has done their due diligence on or done their research on is they feel comfortable enough to move forward with the pick. Um, and they decide, you know what, we're going to be a supporting piece to him as he, he this is a big giant hump for him, um, not only as a professional, but as a person in his life. And uh, we're going to help him through that. And we're going to eventually get past this and we're going to focus on um, his hockey development. So I don't know. Um, I don't think we're done with this story by any means, but I'm kind of curious, Noah, where you stand on this, because again, these are not fun conversations. These are not fun situations, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what my question is in situations like these, you know, where, you know, where should society be? You know, where, where should we, where should we be? Should we be, this all or nothing society, which I think where a lot of the, the noise I'm hearing on public is, which is either, you know, you don't draft him, he's a piece of shit, or, you know, you support him, you understand that we're all human, we all make mistakes. And, you know, we can, if we feel as though this is a, a genuine apology and someone that just literally made one bad decision, that we can, we can move past this. So I'm, I'm kind of curious as to where your thoughts are. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned, uh, you know, you're curious as to what my thoughts are. And I, and I want to point this out. Uh, obviously, Nick and I have been doing, we're episode number 71, right? Nick, you and I, we didn't talk about this before the show. And specifically because I don't think we knew where the other person was going to be on this. And I got to say, the first thing is, uh, I'm happy you're sticking your neck out there. And I'm kind of relieved because I'm actually in the same boat as you are. And I'm not in the same boat that you you are just because of the fact that you're my co-host. I was reading, you know, you go online <laughs> and, and you look up Logan Mayu's name. You're going to get about 25 articles about how egregious the fact that the Montreal Canadiens drafted this guy is. I mean, you're like, some of the articles are like, holy smokes. Um, and I say that because I want everybody... Um, if you're a young listener, obviously you're not in the same boat, but if you're, if you're old, like Nick and I are, um, you, uh, you put me with you in that. Okay. Yeah. We, we can be a team today. Perfect. We can be a team today. So, <laughs> so we can get, we can get blasted on Twitter together. Um, but think back to when, and don't forget Logan, I believe was 17 at the time when this happened, think back to when you were 17 years old, think about all the stupid shit you did. At 17, I can think of so many things that I did, things that my friends or my teammates did, things that were people who are my classmates did that were like, oh, that was kind of not so great. Okay. And like we mentioned, we don't condone any of this, right? Like we don't, we don't support Logan's actions. Obviously they were horrible. They caused a lot of problems and a lot of trauma for this girl and her family. And it's important to recognize that. But I also want people to put in perspective, you know, a decision and a choice at 18. And from what, like you mentioned, it sounds like a one-time thing. It sounds like a singular incident. If you were in that position, first of all, if you were in this position and your job was someone who cut grass at a local college, you wouldn't be in the national headlight or spotlight. Let's put that into that extra piece too, as well, is that yes, it deserves national media attention, but it's also like he plays hockey. 
And that's the reason why it's this huge scale is because he plays hockey and is at a point in his life where in terms of hockey development, he's ready to take that next step in relation to the national hockey league. So that's, that's a, that's a piece that has to be out there. But at what point do we say, Hey, this person is a piece of shit. Mitchell Miller. We talked about the Mitchell Miller situation. We hope that Mitchell Miller moves on, does the next things with his life comparatively Mitchell Miller's actions were piece of shit actions compared to this. And I say that because Mitchell Miller knew what he was doing and continued to do it. Okay. That doesn't detract from either situation. Logan's situation is bad. Mitchell's situation is bad, but from what it sounds like Logan's situation was a singular incident. So the next step is that everyone calls for him to apologize calls for him to have a little bit of remorse calls for him to have a little bit of character development and reevaluate himself as a person. Okay. Whether that's by his own accord or by the fact that he's now getting national media attention as an NHL draft pick, if there's development and healing to be had for Logan, what is the difference? Okay. What is the difference? Would you like for him to, in December, when this first happened, have apologized very deeply to this gal and kind of maybe avoided this piece by, you know, standing up in that moment and kind of, you know, showing that healing and that maturity at that point? Yes, but he's 17. And we all know the decisions people make at 17, right or wrong. Your mental point and capacity at 17 is not developed by any means. So my, so the next step is, if you're talking about his remorse and his development and you have an NHL organization willing to support that, at what point do we support Logan and this gal and her family in that process of moving on? At what point do we say, Logan, as a society, we understand what you did wrong. We hope you take the next step. We hope you take the next step into being a better person. We talked a lot about the Me Too movement. And again, it's an important movement and it's a lot of things that were important in society. For example, horrible people like Harvey Weinstein were found guilty of all these things that they have done. Horrible, horrible things. But a lot of people from what I've read want to put Logan Mayu in that same category as someone like Harvey Weinstein. I'm sorry, Logan's situation is not the same as that. Logan is not, from what I understand, now we could get more information that we find out that's different, but for, at this point, he doesn't sound like a sexual predator, okay? It is a stupid stupid egregious act and mistake that he did that at some point i hope he learns from whether it's through himself whether it's through this girl's family whether it's through the montreal canadians and the national hockey league the london knights whoever it may be we can blast him all we want as a society but at some point we want him to make the next best decision in his life to be a better person and we have to transition over to that spot now We've given Logan his time of, yeah, you're an awful person. You're a scumbag. And he's going to get that. He might get it all his life, all his NHL career if he makes it to the National Hockey League. But at what point do we sit back as a society and say, okay, Logan, we feel that you've, you've kind of come full circle and matured as a person. And that's where I hope that Logan takes this because I, I feel awful for this girl. I feel awful that she has to go through this. I feel awful that she doesn't feel that she's gotten the apology from Logan that she's looked for. Still, I haven't seen any reports that says that he's given her that deep heartfelt apology, but I, you know me, 
I feel bad for both parties. I'm sure Logan's scared as hell right now. I'm sure he's scared about what his future lies and think about it. Like I said, you know, if you were someone who is cutting grass, you might not have the same national attention on top of the fear that you already have for something that you did that was wrong. And I, I bet you like hell, he wants to take that back, but he can't take it back. So now he's got to move forward. And the question as a society is, do we support him in that process and that transition, or are we going to continue to ridicule him for something that's already been done? It was awful. It was horrible. We don't condone it. But at what point do we say, okay, Logan, we support you now, as long as you're doing the right things by way of this, by way of this girl's family, by way of yourself and by way of your profession or occupation, which at this point is hockey, you know, because I've read a lot of things that say, this is the example of hockey culture. No, it's not. None of us hockey guys are sitting here saying, Oh, well, why couldn't she just let this go? What, whatever. It was just a Snapchat. None of us are saying that. None of us are saying that this was an okay thing. So don't lump this into a hockey culture thing. We just want the best for everybody in the situation. We want the girl to find some healing. We want Logan to find some healing. We want them to be able to both go their separate ways and be able to continue on with their life. It just so happened that Logan's life is potentially being an NHL hockey player. So people want to rip that away from him because he gets to do something based on his skill set that not a lot of us get to do. And it's unfair to him in that sense. So I know that was a very long winded answer, but um, that's my two cents on it. Uh, no, I mean, a lot of good points there. Uh, and, and again, these, uh, these are the type of conversations that, you know, we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable having, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, again, it, it, nobody wins in this situation, right? There's, mm-hmm. if people are looking at this, so who wins, who loses? Well, nobody wins. Um, again, she's going through, you know, you know, first of all, she has to, she's had to go through it twice, essentially, because she had to go through it initially. And now mm-hmm. this is out in the public and being talked about. She's having to essentially relive uh, this incident. Right. So and then, as you mentioned, for for this traffic, uh, obviously, uh, he's I would say probably the same thing twice, uh, you know, obviously being. Uh, you know, charged and, and having to go through the legal process in Sweden and then now being uh, uh, criticized for a team that uh, it picked you, uh, you know, for in the first round, you know, and, and I'm kind of curious, Noah, and, and this isn't really a question, but more of a, a thought in my own head is, would we be having this conversation he was picked in the seventh round? You know, it, it's, and it's weird, right? It, it's weird that, you know, we have to think of, you know, just because it's a high profile thing and, you know, and you're right, you know, back to your example of, you know, this is just, you know, some guy that's cutting grass or, you know, this is just a high school kid that's going to college next year. He's not an athlete. Is this making national news? No, probably not. Now on that same token, as you mentioned, it doesn't diminish, you know, the actions that happened. It absolutely does not. But again, whether you're an NHL prospect drafting the first round, whether you're a, a freshman going uh, to a university and you're trying to study uh, chemistry or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, we have to be able to look at the situation as it is, which is, okay, what happened? You know, it, it, here's kind of my checklist, right? What happened? You know, what was the thought process that went into it or what can we derive from the process that happened with that? You know, does the person understand that they, what they did was wrong? what were, you know, the consequences and was there an apology, right? 
Um, it sounds like everything is there except for an apology, at least, you know, conflicting, right? As he says that uh, he did give one. Apparently, she says that uh, she has not gotten one. To me, that's huge, right? Um, because, yeah, a lot of these things are public, you know, for, for, the, for the naysayers and the skeptics. I, 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 well, I, I will, all in the public. I, I will jump in and just say, so. From and it's what, scripted, right? Yeah, from what I've understood is that he did issue an apology to her, but it wasn't a lengthy apology. It wasn't in-depth to the standards that she had felt, you know, kind of warranted, you know, what she was hoping the response was going to be and his remorsefulness for the actions. And the other piece that I kind of wanted to ask too is, if not the Montreal Canadiens, then who? You know, I think the thought of, again, this player, and let, let's also think about the NHL draft, right? It is an assessment of a person's character, and the Montreal Canadiens believe that they feel that Logan can, can continue to develop and work on his character. I think that says a lot about Montreal, taking a chance on this guy, knowing full well what the response is going to be, okay? Other people say... Well, Montreal took this player because they know he's a highly talented NHL player. And that's why he went in the first round as well. True. He's a good hockey player. He's a first round talent. Okay. But if you take a first round talent and feel that you can continue to develop him, not only as a player, but off the ice as well, that's risk assessment. Nail Yakupov, a guy who was taken first overall, not a, not a great demeanor as a person right? Obviously didn't do anything like this, but not a great demeanor as a person still taking first overall because he was a talent and Edmonton believed they can turn him into a better person and it didn't happen. Well, Montreal, that's part of their risk assessment is saying that we feel not only we could use the player. Yes, obviously they, they want to use the player. That's why he's a first overall first round pick. But at the same time, they also believe in him as a character and as a person. NHL drafts are not just skill set, throw a dart at the board at number nine on this person who has otherworldly skill set, but robs people for a living, right? There's so much more that goes into it. When you talked about Montreal doing their homework, I, I, I gotta be honest. And this is, uh, I'm going to get reamed for this too. In some ways I commend Montreal or whoever was going to draft them. If it wasn't Montreal for doing this, because in some ways it takes a huge step to take somebody where you know they have this recent history of this and be able to try to offer healing to him, to this girl's family, and to a sport that for so long has dealt with things like this and swept them under the rug. I, I, and I don't know if it's fair to say that I commend them, I guess, but I mean, think about that, that risk that they're taking and what if everybody does somehow find their own level of healing in this? Did the Montreal Canadiens, are they heroes or saviors at this point? Or are they still going to be never vindicated for, for this action? I don't know. I, I think, well, it, 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 when you talk about risk assessment, right? Um, if, this, if this young gentleman develops into um, the adult that I think we all want to see out of everybody, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and does not have any sort of character-related missteps along the way. Yeah. I, this then, then we can look back and say, and Montreal will be able to point the finger right back at everybody else and say, we told you so. However, there's always the flip side, right? Which yeah. is, he does something similar. And 
what's crazy about this is there's, there's a little bit of Tom Wilson syndrome that could be at had here, right? Which is he could do something completely different that we could call as a bad decision. It wouldn't even be related to the thing that he was just convicted of. And he'll say, see, he's got a character issue. And, and that part I don't like either, you know, where we're very quick to point the finger and to, uh, to group things uh, into one category. Um, but to kind of wrap things up here, Noah, because um, I think, uh, you know, we've had a very good discussion on this, but uh, I think, yeah, the, the, hand, the cards are now in the hands of the, of, uh, of the draft pick, which is, okay, you're getting your second shot here, and this is the only one you're going to get. Yeah. Not only that, I would imagine uh, with uh, Mark Bergman is, I, at least I would hope that the conversation was, we're putting our necks out there for you too. We're taking a lot of flack for giving you the opportunity to continue to develop not only as a player, but as a person as well. We're going to support you and we're going to put up our, our shield here for you and take a lot of the brunt of the conversation. If you mess that up, you know, there's a sheet that says unconditional waivers and we'll just get the hell rid of you. Yeah. I would hope that was part of the conversation because again, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. And, and I would Mon imagine and, that. And Montreal has to get rid of, like their action has to be unequivocally, you're done, you're gone in that yeah. scenario. You know, I, yeah. And that's where I think that people draw the line and they think, oh, well, Montreal's going to support him even if he, you know, gets a DUI or that sort of thing. It's like, no. His leash is un ungodly short, and yep. it has to be, and it should be. And it should be, correct. So, um, uh, again, you know, time will tell. Um, you know, we hope that not only for the victim and the young lady that um, she does get the heartful apology that she's looking for. If it hasn't happened, again, we don't know for sure. Um, again, just based off reports, doesn't sound like it happened. Um, because, uh, you know, it's funny how a simple apology, and I say simple because it, at least from my perspective, it's never that hard to offer an apology. We're all human. We well make mistakes, but it's how you respond to those mistakes, right? Um, I think once in a, you know, if, if that's true and he does, in fact, give that heartfelt apology, we can finally close the book on this. Both her and him and now the Montreal Canadiens can move forward uh, getting past this because I mean, we, that's the other thing. Like, let's, yeah, it happened. It's over with now. Let's process it. Let's take the necessary steps to, you know, atone for the mistake. Let's, you know, issue the necessary apologies. And then guess what? Let's move forward. Right. And it's, it's not, I don't want people to think that, you know, it's that's, you know, sweep under the rug mentality. It's not it at all. But I also feel like there's a lot of things in, in society right now. Where it's like, we almost want to, keep sticking on something that doesn't need to be stuck on. It's like, no, you, you get past this by moving forward. You know, and there's been necessary stuff to do so. And uh, it sounds like a lot of them have been made, but one key one isn't. And once that one is done, I think we can all then put this to bed and we can all move forward. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I hope she finds the closure that she can. I, I hope Logan finds the maturity that he needs and the adult like demeanor that he needs. And I hope that, whatever his ceiling is i hope his hockey career goes well and i hope personally he becomes an even better person and becomes the person that we all want want him to see there's always um 
you know, it, you remember that scene from Moneyball where they're talking about uh, um, the draft choices and he says, we're all told at some point we can no longer play the children's game. Some of us are told 25, some of us are 40, some of us are never told, you know, or something like that, but we're all told. And, you know, it, this is, this is where Logan's going to have to learn how to, how to, how to be a stand-up human being really, really quick. And you hope that he finds that. And you hope that besides scoring goals or being a good citizen in the community, that we never hear Logan's name again when it comes to this. Right. I mean, let's, let's be real. So um, like you mentioned, we've, we've talked extensively on, on this segment. So we're going to kind of wrap it up here unless you have anything else to add, which I don't, I think you're, you're good with us moving on on that. So that's going to do it for episode number 71. Um, we are working on a guest for this week. We don't have anything confirmed as of yet, but we'll keep you updated. It kind of seems like Wednesday, Thursdays are kind of have kind of been our interview days as we move forward into the summer so far, at least. Um, so until the school year starts, maybe that's kind of maybe more where we're going to be sitting at just so people kind of know, I know that we were doing some Tuesday releases when school was going on. It was a little bit easier here so we'll keep you up to date on any of those kind of changes that you know things but i just want to kind of let people know what it's kind of seems like the trend has kind of been is uh, like a thursday morning or sometimes friday morning release so um it's, it's not us intentionally trying to juggle the schedule it just is what it is and we'll try to keep you abreast of what's going on as well so i uh, for nick maxson i'm noah grant and we will see you later from the huskies warming house podcast Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perks! No, Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.